This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Uh, I want to share something that's exciting before we get started today. Um, again, this Christmas looks different. This season looks different than what we thought it would look like. But as we adapt, the why has not changed. And the why is to celebrate the goodness of God and to make as much of a stinking difference as we can. And one thing I love about our church is that we are always up for loving God and we are always up for making a difference. Uh, we're going to be unfolding the next few weeks what we're doing as a church to um, really make a difference and to make sure this Christmas season is wrung out of every bit of potential to get close to God and also to love our city. One thing that's coming up is you'll see behind me here is on December 19th. Uh, we had this idea, you know, we usually do a big production and do all this stuff, spread hope and there's this atmosphere and it usually snows from the ceiling and it's just amazing and Lord willing those days are coming back. But for this year, we're saying, you know what, let's just be practical and get uh, boots on the ground. So we have partnered with the Salvation Army in Halifax in Fairview and had a great, uh, great talks and meetings and connections. And we said, where can we actually make the most impact in the most challenging year in our lifetime? So on the 19th, we are partnering with them and we're gonna be giving out hundreds if not thousands of meals uh, on that 19th. And an email went out to our church if you wanna help volunteer. Uh, we're gonna partner f financially and with volunteers. But we're excited about this. And sometimes hope uh, comes in uh, uh, a box of food. Sometimes hope looks like a meal. So here's what's fun. Even this week, billboards are going to go up all over our city with this uh, number on it. And again, if you're watching today and you're in the Halifax area and you're, you find this a challenging season, uh, there's no shame in that. It's challenging for everyone. And you say, hey, I could use a hot meal. I could use this a Christmas meal. It's going to be a drive-through or a walk-through. More details coming. But if you just text that number, and uh, here's what's fun about this too, is we're using local restaurants to provide this. So they have all the COVID quarantine and all the restrictions and all the, all the things they need to do to make sure it's safe and, and good. And we're going to use them. And also it lets us pour into the local economy and help local businesses. So it's a win, 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 win. And we get to be a part of this and make this happen and partner with an amazing organization and really boost it. And we get to help local businesses. So I'm excited about that. And I want to say again, um, for those that have been giving consistently in our church, we want to thank you for your generosity. Thank you so much for your generosity. And week in and week out, as we take offerings online or in person, you guys are generous. And we're so thankful for the generosity of our church and your consistency in your giving. And our passion is not a building. Our passion is not a service. Our passion is our Savior and our city and you prove it with your giving each week and you're such a generous generous church and your passion for god and his people show up in a lot of ways and one of those ways is your giving and because of that we're able to this this season and really all year round find opportunities to make a difference and deal with challenges that come our way and because of your giving we've able to pivot this year the challenges and also get ready for 2021 so thank you for giving for those that are giving, you'll see on the screen, there's lots of ways you can give, e-transfer, text to give. If you're outside our country, you can go to our website, novachurch.ca. And just thank you for partnering. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for really boosting us as we can navigate challenges and make the most of opportunities. We love you so much. Thank you for that. 
Uh, today, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 46. I'm going to just encourage you as we start this new series today, uh, Uncertain Christmas. Uh, it's an Advent series, going to build some expectation for this Christmas season. Psalm chapter 46, verse 2 says it like this. It says, We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Let me read that again. Psalm 46, verse 2. We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Listen, if that's not a picture of our society and culture right now, talk about uncertainty. It says that the earth gives away and the mountains fall. It feels like, in some ways, the world is collapsing, doesn't it? It feels like culture is collapsing. It feels like economy and social gatherings and things that we enjoy are collapsing. And pandemic and recession and racial injustice and the evil, even here in Nova Scotia, of of Canada's largest mass murder. And in this season, it feels like our world is crumbling and collapsing. Our world is giving away. But then verse 10. Verse 10 of Psalm 46, it says, But be still, be still, and know that I am God. We felt this Christmas season as we build expectation and prepare uh, this season to prepare our hearts and prepare our lives, is we thought that in this uncertain season that we would refocus in on the certainty of God. Uncertain Christmas, there's certainty of God. God. So today in this first series, the next few weeks, as we go through these Sundays, we also have Christmas Eve, which we're excited about. I want to talk today on this title, Where's God? Come on, look, if you're sitting with someone watching this, look at them across the room and say, where's God? Where's God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you again for those that are tuning in live, those that maybe are watching this later on. Thank you for our church family that refuse to hide or be distant, that they're actively engaged and we're thankful for the visitors and guests that maybe are tuning in all over our city, all over our world. God, we're thankful that in this season with the challenges, there are still opportunities. And God, we thank you for your presence and your goodness, that God, you are good to us, that you love us. And our goal is clear today that we would feel your presence and be aware of your hand on our lives. God, I pray those that are struggling today that need a miracle. I pray for miracles even to happen right now, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I pray for miracles. People that need miracles and healing right now, we believe with you for a miracle in your body. We pray for those that need miracles in other areas of their life. God, would you step in right now in Jesus' name and do miracle people's lives. We love you, Lord, and thank you. Thank you for your goodness. And everybody said? One of, the, uh, one of the highlights for me in the middle of a very challenging year was we had a local business come to us and say, hey, I think we can figure it away really cheap really cost-effective to get some billboards in the city. What do you want to say? And we sat around as a leadership team and thought, what do we want to say on billboards? That's pretty cool, billboards. That's, that's fun. But what do we want to say? And we want to have something to say. And we came up with a couple messages. One was, you're not alone. Um, we just want people to know that in this season of isolation and, and distancing and, and navigating that they're not alone. We believe, number one, that God's always with you. The Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name but also his church, even as Nancy said last week, that God's church doesn't have a mission, but God's mission has a church, and that the church is with you. But then another uh, billboard we did was one that said, for God so loved the 902. And uh, 902 is our area code. We also know it's like the Maritimes and Atlantic Canadian area code. And 
It's just a kind of a cool twist on a Bible verse. And we got some comments from that. 99.9% of them were amazing and positive. There was one comment where someone said, you can't mistranslate the Bible. You guys are heretics and said a whole bunch of crazy religious things that I had to look up using words I don't even know. Matt Lito was smarter than me. I had to text him, Matt, what does this mean, this email? And, and all these words. And, and I, I remember saying to our team, when he's like, you can't translate the Bible that way. You can't rephrase it. That's taking scripture out of context. And I said to our team, I said, can you just like send back him an email, but do it in Latin? and just tell him about the goodness of God. And they're like, Pastor Mike, we don't speak Latin. And I'm like, what do we even hire you for? And I was like, just Google translate it or something. Use like a foreign language, like Newfoundland or something. And my point was this, is because thankfully we're not still speaking Latin or Old King's English that people translated to our language. And we were simply just translating the language of today, letting people know that God loves Halifax, he loves Nova Scotia, he loves the Maritimes. Another comment we got, well, someone commented, they said, God so loves 902, where is God? In the middle of a pandemic and virus and diseases and violence and tragedies and recession, someone wrote in and said, but where's God? If God's around, if God's real, if God's active, where is he this year? Where is he this year? I thought that was a valid question. I thought it was a valid question. And it stuck with me even as we were preparing this uncertain Christmas series. Advent literally means anticipation of arrival. Where's God? This Christmas season, as believers, we want to increase the anticipation of the arrival of God in our lives in this season. Advent is just not just a nice thing on the calendar. It's not just a series. It's not just a, a chocolate-filled calendar or a dog pet filled calendar for your advent calendar. It is building expectation of arrival of God's goodness and his presence. And I've realized it's our human nature to be obsessed with what's next, isn't it? Whether, whether we want to admit it or not, we are obsessed with anticipating future events. We talk about what's next, we get excited. And even if we're not looking forward to what's next, we say things like, I can't wait to get past. I can't wait to get through that season. Oh, I can't wait till that exam is over. I can't, I don't know how I'm gonna deal with this upcoming deadline. And even in our dreading for the most pessimistic of us, we are still looking past it to the next season. It's our human nature to become obsessed with What's next? We talk about, man, I just, I'm excited. I got a day off this week and it's going to be, I can't wait on this day off. I'm just going to do this and this. Maybe it's even further. Maybe it's a year away. I've seen it online. People are going, I can't wait till next year. Hopefully we can travel. Man, I can't wait to plan a trip next year. And then I even talk to some people that are a little older and they talk about decades. Like, man, I just got 13 more years until I retire. And I find it's our human nature. We're obsessed with looking forward. We're obsessed with, anticipation and anticipation of what's in the future drives us in preparation and anticipation that excitement for what's next we prepare and we anticipate but here's the truth i've learned in life and i've learned this in my adult life i've learned this in ministry is that all frustration in life comes from unmet expectations Think about what you're frustrated right now in life with. It might be a, a job, maybe it's a, this, this year, maybe it's people. All frustrations can be traced back to unmet expectations. I get frustrated 
after I had anticipated something was going to happen a certain way that didn't. I get frustrated when my expectations for something didn't come to pass. 2020 has frustrated me. Man came into this year, expectations as a father, as a husband, as a man, as a pastor, and this year has frustrated me. Coming back into lockdown and back to online, though we are thankful, there is frustration in it. Trying to do ministry and navigate ministry has frustrated us as a church because we have expectations and we feel like we can do a lot and do this and do that. And then all of a sudden the limitations and the unmet expectations is frustrating. People can frustrate me. I know you're surprised by that. But people can frustrate me when they don't meet the expectations I have. And here's the truth. I, yes me, can frustrate people. Frustrations all come from unmet expectations. And here's today, as we start this series, as we prepare for Christmas, it's important to make sure that we're all on the same page of what to expect, what to anticipate this season in our faith. Because if we don't have the right expectations, it'll actually increase our frustration as they're unmet during this Christmas season. Christmas, uh, Christmas is an amazing season. Uh, I married a woman that loves Christmas. She's pretty much Mrs. Claus, except really cute and really fun. But, and, uh, but she, she loves Christmas. And I liked Christmas before I got married. But I can honestly say, because of Nancy, I love Christmas. I'm the Christmas guy. Like, I'm all in. I start my playlist for Christmas. I'm creating it as we go. It's, I start playing it after Remembrance Day, November 12th. Christmas music is on. Our house is decorated. Look, like, look at this set. We are the Christmas. We are that church. We love Christmas. If we were at the big theater, it'd be like Christmas vomited everywhere. We love Christmas. Some people are like, you know, Christmas is a pagan holiday and trees. Rip. We're not that church. We're not that church. We love Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. Look at this sweater. This is a Christmas. This is like wintertime, drinking hot chocolate in front of a fire sweater. Like, I'm all about Christmas. In fact, another pastor was watching me wear this sweater a few weeks ago and messaged me and said, hey, Mr. Rogers, I like your sweater. I'm like, really? Throwing shade? You, you, number, one, number one, you need Jesus. Number two, stop sending me text messages. Listen, and number three, what's wrong with Mr. Rogers? That's a compliment because I want everybody to be my neighbor. Hey, neighbor. Hey, neighbor. But I realize as I am the Christmas guy, and we're Christmas people, and we love Christmas, and Christmas carols, and the expectation of Christmas, of our culture, is an untrue reality. See, Christmas as a culture, we put this expectation on this season that is an untrue reality. In fact, Mark Sayers from Australia says it's a hyper-reality. Because we think everything can be solved at Christmas time. We think, we, we have this picture, culture tells us that no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what the tension, no matter what the uh, ob, uh, obstruction or issues, that we'll all be in unity and love holding hands around the Christmas tree. That's the expectation. It's that Hallmark promises love at this time of year. Doesn't matter what small town that your car broke down in, you will find love with that, with that guy that runs a nonprofit or that, that woman doctor that's traveling through the city and love will find you. Hallmark, Hallmark promises you love in this season. It promises, this culture promises you peace, that there'll be peace no matter what happens, that, that the world will have peace, peace in your family, peace in your home, peace in your business, peace in your church, peace in your neighbors. It promises you peace. It promises you no more loneliness. 
It's like every show, every show you ever watch, every sitcom, it always gets solved in the last 10 minutes, right? No matter what happened on Full House, no matter what happened on that TV show, in the last 10 minutes, the, the music comes on and they sit down and talk it through. And in these last few minutes of 2020 or the year, we put this expectation on Christmas, culture does, that it's all gonna work out, that's all gonna be good. We turn the lights on, turn the music on, get the tree up, and the expectation is... Christmas will fix it. I think 2020 is the earliest Christmas season I've ever seen started. It's like the whole world's like, we can't, this, the whole year is gone. Let's just, Christmas will fix it. Have you seen that? It's like the lights went up earlier. The music came on earlier. Hallmark movies started in like August, I think. Our, our parking team is a huge fan of Hallmark movies and that's all they talk about in the parking lot. And Cliff, you know, I know you love Hallmark movies. It's like, Chris, it's not, if we can just launch Christmas, like we, the government can't fix it, we, doctors can't fix it, I know what we'll do. Cue Christmas, and Christmas, just turn it up. And in November and October, we thought Christmas can save it. And the expectation is that we think Christmas will fix everything. And if we're not careful, church, we'll buy into the lie and the expectation that it's going to be fixed by Christmas morning. In this Advent season of expectation, as we build towards this arrival, if we're not careful, this, these expectations will lead to more frustration when they're unmet. These next few weeks, we want to build biblical anticipation on what God has done and what he promised to do. We want to lower frustration by building proper expectation and activating faith and hope in your life. Where's God? Where's God? We believe he's actively invested in our journey. We want to just get the right expectation today. And I believe in this next few minutes and in these next few weeks, anticipation will rise. And it won't give way to frustration. It'll give way to faith and hope and love and the assurance that in uncertain times, God is certainly involved in our journey. He certainly is. Here's a thought that we've come to this year, powerful thought, and I, I believe this year has demonstrated more than ever, is that we can't save ourselves. I think that's one of the frustrating things is in all the hype and all the Instagram's quotes and stories and all the, in all the PR and all the events and in all the quotes, we can't save ourselves. We can't. Our heroes of culture can't save us. Science can't save us. And we've come to this realization and it's frustrating, isn't it? We, we, we can't put enough money into the economy to save this. We, we, we can't do enough. Nothing can fix this. We think we got enough rules and enough uh, quarantine and enough lockdown and enough things. We, we, we'll, we'll fix this. And just when we think we got it fixed, it blows up again. We come to this revelation, we can't save ourselves. And that causes a whole nother level of anxiety and stress knowing in the end, we can't save ourselves. Today, talking about where's God, I want to go back to the beginning today. I want to paint a picture of what God promised he would do. Where is God in this journey, in this story? Where is God this Christmas? Where is God in your life and my life? Where is God today? And I want to unpack this a little bit. And to do this, we have to go back to the beginning. In Genesis, in the book of Genesis, in the Bible, in the beginning... Starts off, God creates, and very early there's a problem. Sin. Men and women chose, they said, we want to be equal with God, and they chose to disobey God. 
and sin is missing the mark. God said, follow me, and there's this life plan for you, and sin comes in, the enemy comes in, the devil comes in and gives uh, this, this, this lie of, uh, you're, you're, you're supposed to be like God, and that submission is wrong, and that you should be your own person, and so is pride and deceit, and they get off track and they make a decision, and sin, fallenness, comes into our world. The solution that Adam and Eve, men and women try to do is hide. We still do that, don't we? It's just we hide. It's that they, they, they realize that they're naked, they're vulnerable, and rather than owning up to it and, and understanding that they were made to be bare before God, nothing between them and God, they run and hide. Like, you're going to hide from God behind a hedge, behind a bush, like, like put some leaves on, like, like come on. And they, they, they try to fix it themselves, and like us today, their solutions did nothing to fix their problem. And they try to fix it themselves, and then God shows up. This is what he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read it in the message version. God steps in, and they're like, where's God? We've got to hide from God. And God shows up in the middle of that question, where's God? What's the plan? We're in trouble. We're losing everything. Everything's a mess. Where's God? And God shows up in chapter 3, verse 15. Look at this. It says, God told the serpent. He said, because you've done this, you're cursed. Cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals. Cursed to slink on your belly to eat dirt all your life. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. That's Jesus. Jesus was her offspring. Jesus came through woman. He was born of a woman. He says, I'm declaring a war between your offspring and the woman. And he'll wound, another version says, he'll crush your head. And, and he says, you'll wound, or another version says, you'll bruise his heel. So God says to the devil, says to the enemy, he says, there's going to be a war between your offspring, your seed, and that of the woman, and he will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. I'm not a big UFC guy. I got friends that are big UFC guys. I went to one UFC fight in my life, a live one, and I don't know much, but I know this. A crushed head beats a bruised heel every time. If you crush someone's head, you win over getting a bruised heel. In fact, you can bruise your heel crushing someone's head. And this God here is starting this rescue mission, saying, by the way, by the way, you want to know where I am? I'm now starting a rescue mission. And there's going to be one born of woman who will crush the enemy head. Enemy going to crush your head with his heel. You may bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And this book, this is not just history. This is not just random. It's 66 books of the Bible all put together. They, they, they flow together, and it's a love letter and a rescue mission of God's story of where's God in history? Where's God in the middle of everything going wrong? God is woven through here saying, I am here and I am active. And starting in Genesis 3, he starts his rescue mission to help us and save us. We see it again in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. Let me read this. It says this. It says, All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. By the time the child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey. For before the child is that old, the land of the two kings you fear, so much will both be deserted. 
This plan's unfolding, and he says in Genesis 3, okay, there's going to be a child born down the road, and he's going to crush the enemy's head. Then he says in Isaiah, as his plan keeps unfolding, he says, okay, he's going to be born, he's going to crush the enemy. He's going to be born of a virgin, which means he's going to be pure, pure of heart, pure of life. And it says he'll, he'll eat yogurt and honey, which at that time was a, a poor man's food. What he was saying is this, this Savior that is coming, this rescue plan, he will know poverty. He will know struggle. He will know discomfort. He's not coming on a gold throne. He will not come lavished in riches. Uh, this, this, this man that is coming, this Savior, this rescue mission that I have, this ransom that is coming will know poverty, no struggle, and no discomfort. I take great comfort in that. Another ver verse says that, he, he knows our struggle. He's been tempted what we've been tempted with. This, this Savior was coming to help us. Then it goes on a few chapters later in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Where's God? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's interesting, as this rescue mission unfolds, this is the first time we hear that it's actually going to be God himself coming. Up to this point, it's, there's going to be a seed, there's going to be a, a child born, and we hear about the Savior coming. But then in Isaiah chapter 9, God steps in and goes, no, 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 you need to know, I'm coming personally to fix this. It says, he will be God with us. Mighty God. He will be called mighty God. You need to know today that God is personally invested in our rescue. Where's God? He's personally invested in our rescue. You'll see this point come up on the screen that God himself said, listen, I'm personally going to solve this. I'm so invested. I'm so in love. I'm so committed to you. I'm not going to leave this to someone else. I'm not going to leave this to be outsourced. I'm personally leaving heaven to come down and rescue you. God's personally invested. Today, you're asking, where's God? You need to know. He's not outsourcing this to angels. He's not outsourcing this to a commissioned organization. God himself, in this journey of rescue for our forefathers and for our children, said, no, no, I will personally be invested in this. Where's God? He's invested personally. That's where God is. It then goes through scripture, and it goes through 400 years of silence. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's called the silent years. This, this silent time, 400 years, there was no miracles. The prophets weren't prophesying. Miracles weren't happening. God wasn't speaking. People weren't speaking for God. They call it the silent years. 400 years, no prophets, no teachings, no miracles, just silence. And I can't help but wonder that people walked around the streets going, where's God? Prophets, where's God? Priests, where's God? We hear about the stories of old. We hear about the miracles. We hear about the redemption. We hear what he did. But where's God now? When Rome comes in and takes over our country, when there are battles and wars and rumors of war and diseases and tragedies, where's God? 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. And then we get to the Christmas story. But just before the angels proclaim, just before 
the wise men saw a star. Just before the shepherds rushed to see, just before Jesus' birth, the world was asking, where is God? Silence for decades and generations, half, almost half a millennial of silence, and people were saying, where's God? Just before, just before the angels showed up, just before Mary knew that she was carrying life, just before the wise men saw a star that they started following, knowing it was speaking to a miracle, just before that whole happened, people were asking, where's God? And the truth is God is always working to bring us closer. While we are waiting, God is working. You feel like you're waiting? Where's God? It seems like there's silence. I read the word, I feel like there's silence. I, I tune in, I feel like there's silence. I don't know what's going on. And while we are waiting, God is working. I realize this, that God does his best work in silence. I've realized that in my life, that God does his best work in silence. While we're waiting, he's working. He was setting up timing during those years. He was setting up people to be ready and this birth and this birth and this generation to this grandchild to this grandchild. He was setting up people. He was setting up resources, timing people to be in the right position, the right government, the, the, the right timing, the right culture, the right anticipation. He was setting the right climate. He was working while we were waiting. And the Christian hope is rooted in this. God sees and God's working. The heart of Advent is knowing that God sees a world gone wrong and he's personally doing something about it to set it right. Our expectation is on God's word, not his noise. Read that again. Our expectation is on his word, not his noise. We have this culture that thinks the loudest is going to win. We think whoever has the most followers or most influence or, or most uh, momentum, whatever goes viral, whatever is creating the most noise, must be who's in charge. Our expectation is not on the noise. Did you hear what happened? Did you see what they reported? Man, I heard something's happening. Did you, well, what do you think about that? Does that cause you fear or anxiety? Our expectation is on his word, not noise. And my friends, God said back in Genesis, no, 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 no. We're going to crush the enemy. I'm coming to rescue. He says in Isaiah, he says, no, no, I'm coming. Prince of peace, a counselor. I'm going to set this right. We're going to rescue people and I will be coming. The years of silence, God was solving. The world heard nothing, but God said he was coming. In a world of silence and a generation of silence, God was working and coming. Why? Because we our expectations on his word, not on the noise. And his word said, I'm coming. I'm personally coming. I'm not outsourcing this. I'm not waiting for someone else. I'm coming. 2020 was a very tough year. 2020 is a very tough year. And many would say, where's God? People message churches, where's God? Maybe you're asking, where's God? Sometimes as pastors, we ask, God, really? Where are you in this? And this is the thought that I keep coming back to. From Genesis to Isaiah through this scripture, as it unfolds this rescue plan to help us, is that God's work is best seen in our lifeline, not our lifetime. 
So many times, if we don't see it in our lifetime, we think God's not moving. How many people in the years of silence said, God doesn't care, where's God? God's not invested, God doesn't know, God doesn't see, God is asleep, God is dead, God is not real, God does not care. And if you judge this on your lifeline, you'll be disappointed, but you have to see the fulfillment, the expectation is in our lifeline, not our lifetime. I'm thinking back to this year, where's God? Churches had to pivot, jobs were lost, economy, people sick, and I started thinking through the lens of God is working. Where's God? He's working on our behalf, personally invested. I thought about this pandemic in this year, and I thought, just thought, I wonder how many marriages were saved this year because schedules were changed. Looking at it through the lens of our lifeline, not our lifetime. Looking through the lens of we are a chapter in a larger story. Looking at, no, God is working while we're waiting. I just wonder, because people were forced to spend more time together instead of maybe, maybe putting too much time on that work or that hobby or that sport or that budding relationship elsewhere. How many marriages were saved this year because of social distancing? I wonder how many children finally got to see their parents this year. Is it possible the pandemic did what vacations promised? Listen, mom's working really hard. Dad's working really hard. We'll, we'll, we'll get to PEI. We'll get to Disney. We'll get, we'll, we'll get some time off. We'll get to the cottage. And then, and then only for us to be guilty of being on our phones and, 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 and still keeping our passion for things outside of our home. And I wonder if, I just wonder, in the middle of the silence, God's working. And I wonder if maybe this season delivered what vacations promised. I actually think our children will look back on this year with different mentality than we did. We were disrupted from our goals and our schedules and our plans. Kids got a six-month summer. Come on, somebody. Remember when, you were, remember when you were a kid? Like, I wish summer could go on forever. It did for them. Your prayers as a kid, <laughs> your kids are reaping. I wonder if they got tucked in for the first time in a long time. I wonder if family suppers happened because we couldn't go out to restaurants. I wonder if kids will look back on this and down the road will look back at it differently than we did. And what will it change in their life, their values, their, their strength, their identity, their health mentally, spiritually, physically, because of a season of slowing down and regather? I just wonder... If years from now there will be men and women standing behind boardroom desks or pulpits or elected positions of office and be men and women of change and hope and God will use because of, just I'm just wondering if God's working while we're waiting. In the silence, God is solving things. This Christmas season, our expectation our anticipation isn't that it's going to be solved by Christmas morning, that we're not going to come downstairs. You're not going to walk out of your house to your tree, your artificial tree, your real tree, your Charlie Brown tree, your big tree, and all of a sudden, everybody's going to be immune to a virus. The economy's going to be back. We can do what we want. The expectation is not that your relationships are going to be solved from their problems on Christmas morning. The expectation is not that there's going to be peace on earth and peace in our homes. The expectation's not going to be that what frustrated you last month won't frustrate you anymore. There's no album, there's no CD, there's no MP3, there's no movie, there is no book. 
that can be put out this season, that can solve, our expectation is not on a season. Our expectation is on a God that saw a problem and said, no, no, I'm personally invested in solving this. And while we're waiting, God is working in the silence. And in the waiting, God is working. We don't follow the noise. We obey and put hope in his word. Today, you might feel like God's far away from you, church. You might be watching this. Someone, t- I do think it's interesting that some of you would never darken the door of a church, and I get it. Church is a scary place. You're not familiar. You're going to be judged. It's weird people. and You may never have walked your house coat and coffee in your living Is it possible in this unrattling and uncertainness, God is still working? We got frustrated because our church location shut down, but God launched hundreds more through your iPhone and your TV and your laptop. Church, I want to build hope today as we unpack Advent over the next few weeks in anticipation that the God that made you is the God that is for you. And the God that is for you is the God that is stepping in to help you. And he's reaching through time and space. And in the silence, he is working. He is planning. He is preparing. God is saving us from the sin that so easily takes us over. We have hope today. I want to pray for you before we worship today. I want to pray for you. Two people I want to pray for. Number one, you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I don't know God. I've seen billboards. I know church, but I don't know God. I don't know this God. I don't know Jesus. I know religion. I know, I know services and robes and incense. I know Sunday school. I know what culture tells. I don't know God. The Bible says you can know God personally. Know God personally. It's not about going and confessing to someone else. It's not about waiting for a Sunday. It's that you and God can actually be in relationship. The God that loves you made a way. And that's what we're celebrating this Christmas, that he made a way to be with you. You cannot be socially distant from God unless you want to. The Bible says as, uh, he's as close as the mention of his name. When you say, Jesus, I need you. A miracle happens. And his presence fills your life. And God is as close, closer than any friend, closer than any coat or Christmas sweater. And the God that made you is with you. If you say, Mike, I want to know this Jesus, I want to pray for you today. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is God, that he is the rescue, that he is the one that came, the counselor, the the mighty warrior, the mighty God, the, the peace. When you believe that Jesus came to rescue us and save us, to join us back to God the Father, when you confess that and say, I believe that, when you believe that in your heart, a relationship starts with him, a mending, a fixing, a restoring, a rescue has happened. We're reunited with our heavenly Father. If you say, Mike, I want you to pray for that. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for that right now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are actively invested, that you personally are solving that distance, that gap, that that, that wedge between us and the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you said, no, no, I'll go. This is a a job for me. I'm not going to outsource this to a king. I'm not going to outsource this to a prime minister. I'm not going to outsource this to a pastor or a church. I personally will bridge the gap. I will... Mend the hearts. Jesus, we love you. 
We believe that you're God. We believe that while we're waiting, you are working. We're thankful for your presence and your power. We're thankful that in the middle of the silence that you are doing a work on our lives. And I pray right now for those watching me say, Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. I need to know you. Come into my life. Forgive me for my past. Connect with me and restore me for my future. Help me, God. I've asked where you are, and now I know you're here. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, a miracle just happened. The Bible says you're born again, new salvation, a new life. You're connected with God. Do you feel different? God is with you. That's where he is. Second people I want to pray for is your believers today. And you, this season has been frustrating with you. Unmet expectations, financially, relationally, maybe even spiritually. Would you tune in? Would you turn up these next few weeks? Not to put views on a live stream, but to prepare our hearts. Advent is the anticipation of something that is coming. I believe this season as we anticipate God's goodness and his presence, as we invest in preparing room in our heart and our spirits, God will do something that we can end this year closer to God, more in line with what he's doing. Frustrations lowering, anxiety lowering, peace and hope and joy fulfilling. Why? Because as we understand who he is and the right expectations, a miracle happens. And here's one thing about God, he'll always meet that expectation to draw close. If we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. You can take that to the bank. This next few weeks, we're going to draw close to God and watch him draw close to us. Father, I bless our church right now. I pray they'd make room in their heart in the middle of busyness, the numbness that can even come from watching live streams. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak freshness over their lives. I pray we would actively anticipate the arrival of your goodness. God, would you freshen us up? Would you breathe life into our spirits as pastors, as people? God, we need you in Jesus' name. Come on, church, as we close today, let's worship together one more time as we start over and build this anticipation in this Advent season of the goodness of God.